Radio Free Brooklyn. This is what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. How you doing? You know me. I'm a self-proclaimed psychotherapist. Um, anyway, uh, I am very, very excited about the show today. We've got two generations of women. We're going to have a very in-depth conversation, which I'm going to tell you about in a second. But first, I want to remind you how great Radio Free Brooklyn is and that we're a nonprofit. Um, so anyway, uh, you should check us out, okay? Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. We do a lot for the community and we provide a free and open platform for uh, to promote media literacy, education, free expression, and even public art. And every dollar helps us stay on the air. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And, um, you know, it's that time of year. You know, if you give us money now, you can, you, you can take that off your taxes, which, you know, the end of the year is coming. Um, I also, before um, I really get into it, I want to call out that it is Veterans Day, all right? Veterans Day. And today is a day that we think about um, the people that have served our country and the people who, and there's there's like still 3 million, I heard this today, 3 million people around the world from the U.S. who are still in very dangerous areas um, serving our country. And so I just want us to... Uh, Think about them, okay? Think about, think about, like, this. freedom is not free, folks. I mean, you know that, right? Uh, and also, I want to um, remember my Uncle Max, who I never got to meet because he served in World War Two and did not come home, and he has a Purple Heart, which is, which we donated to a Jewish uh, historical society. But anyway, um, we're all connected in, in, in some of this in some way or another. And, uh, just a big thank you to everyone who has participated and has a family member that's participated in taking care of our country. Okay. So here's the deal. All right. Um, you may remember Dr. Judith Zyg, Zyg, I'm going to like Zelkoff. Um, and she was on my show this past July. Uh, it's episode 274. And Judith is um, a veteran, a scientist who um, has been working here. I'm just going to read this. She's a professor of the Department of Environmental medicine at the Grossman School of Medicine in New York City. She has over 25 years of experience in toxicology and environmental health, among among a whole lot of other stuff. Paragraphs and paragraphs. I could go on. But anyway, she she's really a, um, I'm going to say maverick in her field, mostly because she has a, ma- she's so full of personality. And um, that's one reason. And the other is like her expertise and the fact that she runs a big department, big uh, lab at NYU and all that other stuff. But we had um, a really great, if you refer back to 
episode 274, you can hear the talk that I had with Judith where she went through what it was like for her. We're both boomers. I'm just going to say that she's been, she's been on the planet for a while. And we had a very in-depth and very interesting and rewarding conversation about what Judith has been through as a woman, I'll say, you know, in her day, in my day. And um, she, so in order to dimensionalize the conversation, we decided that it would be great to see how women uh, today are doing. And we had Judith invite one of her um, star form, I think just recently graduated, Judith, pupils, pupils, um, what do you, I don't know, what do you call them, graduate students? Graduate students. <laughs> hey, I got a BFA in art, come on, I don't know anything. Anyway, she's a lovely, a lovely and beautiful young lady, Nosa Avenbon, she'll tell you, and uh, Nosa has, um, a degree. She's a graduate student from NYU with a master's of science in environmental health, specializing in toxicology. So she has worked in your lab. Is that right, Judith? Absolutely. Okay, Judith, why don't you describe the, you know, a little bit of what you do and how you and NOSA work together so that we can get like just a very quick snapshot of what your day-to-day experience um, in the world of science is. Okay. First of all, Lisa, thank you so much for having me back, and and this time in person. Yes, I know. Here I I am, mask mask in hand. I know. We made it. We made it through the pandemic. So as Lisa said, I have a laboratory, and I do scientific research in the area of environmental health. And what that means is we try to protect people and understand why our environment sometimes is not as friendly to us as we would like, carrying with it many toxic products like uh, contaminated water, contaminated air. And so we do work in the laboratory to try to figure that out and try to make the planet a better place to live. So um, I have lots of graduate students, have had lots of graduate students. As Lisa said, I've been on the planet a long time. So they teach me, I teach them, and we work well together. So every year in September, uh, we have new people um, requesting uh, to be admitted into our, into our department. And NOSA was one of them. And um, her heritage, as she'll tell you, is Nigerian. But she was from Canada, and um, she came. Uh, she was accepted and came to my lab and said, "I I really read about you and uh, your work, and I also do community engagement, community outreach. So I work with many communities that have envi- that are environmentally impacted, meaning that they don't live far from a waste dump or a waste site." or uh, traffic, or heavy noise pollution. And Nosa said, but that's the area that I want to get into. So she and I had our growth together, our learning together, and she did a project that she'll tell you more about um, with a Native American tribe called the Ramapo Lenape. 
And they, unfortunately, because of intentional dumping, they live on a Superfund site. So a Superfund site is a huge waste site with lots of different harmful chemicals. And so she'll tell you more about that. But that's how we, that's how we journeyed together up until this January. So, Judy, how many years did you guys work together? Two years, and we continue to work together. And you're working together now. Okay. Um, so, no, so do, do you, do you, did, did she cover, did she cover that or what you got? I mean, um, do you want to add anything? What was your experience? Like how many, like what was, I just want people to like understand what your day to day with together was. Did you have a lot of other people that you were working with? Did you have a lot of colleagues that were in your depart age group department? Um, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Judy pretty much covered a lot of what we did. Um, when I entered Judy's lab in 2018, there was another, uh, master student who entered the lab alongside, um, me. And then in 2019, we got a couple more, I think it was three or four more. Um, so we were a pretty busy lab. Um, and it just so happened that the cohort I was in was all women. Um, so that was, Pretty cool. And as Judy mentioned, uh, my research project focused on heavy metal contamination in a Native American community in Upper Ringwood, New Jersey. Um, they're called the Rempolanempe Turtle Clan, and they live nearby a Superfund site. So a lot of the work that I did was working alongside uh, citizen scientists, such as a citizen scientist named Dennis DeFries. And he taught me not only about how to collect fish, um, and but also about the culture. Um, and that was really amazing. And I worked with Judy inside the lab, but also outside the lab because Judy does a lot of community engagement, um, specifically with the Ramapo. So there were pre-COVID, um, there were uh, times where we went to church together. Um, and there were also other um, community outreach activities that happened, um, such as fundraising and Teaching the um, teaching the community how to, about healthy eating and things of that nature. Um, so that was great. And working in Judy's lab was really awesome because Judy provides you opportunity as long as you tell her you want to do something. So it was great. I think Judy and I had a conversation when I first got there that I really wanted to write and wanted to publish. And Judy, at every opportunity, gave me. Um, a chance to publish and gave me a chance to write and work with other collaborators also internationally. So that was really amazing um, to learn more about research, not only in our lab, but what's happening around the world as well. And um, no, so you have a master's degree now, but what are your plans for the future if your career? Uh Yes. So my plans for the future is to get a PhD. Um, I'm really interested in furthering my education in environmental health um, and seeing how our environment really impacts uh, how, how our environment really impacts our health holistically. Right. Um, I think my project really opened my eyes to how culture really drives, um, sometimes drives mm -hmm. exposure um, and how cu different cultural practices mm -hmm. will dictate whether or not a person may be exposed to a chemical or uh, or anything in the environment. And so I'm really interested in just learning more about are, that. Are, mm -hmm, sorry, I was just wondering, are you planning on staying in New York as well? So I'm not planning on staying in New York. Um, I'm planning I'm saying hopefully in the Northeast, but um, New York is, as you know, very expensive. <laughs> 
So uh, yeah, um, <laughs> got that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was. It, it's definitely been um, a journey. I mean, I feel like while I grew up, I was. Uh, I my parents like I grew up in Toronto, but I really entered into adulthood in New York City, and so New York has a special place in my heart. However, um, my finances don't necessarily align. Not with if that, you're so. paying for, gra- you know, get to get a yeah. PhD. Yeah. So, um, right. as um, you know, and I encourage you all to go back and listen to the episode I did with Judy because one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Judy about um, being a, um, you know, what it's like to be a woman in science is because um, that as a consumer, as I told her that, and this is true for for NOSA as well, is that we usually, like, the public's view of women in science is they're very unemotional. That's how we, that's how, you know, that's how they're portrayed in, or all scientists, really. I mean, Dr. Fauci's done a pretty good job of of moving the ball forward on personalities and scientists, but... um, you know, generally they, you know, when we see women who are women scientists or they're very serious and very businesslike and very, you know, very, just very neutral personalities. And, um, you know, so Judy's not like that. And I don't think Nosa seems like that. So um, that's part of the reason that we're here to find out about women in science. And I don't think they're really all that different from women in other fields. But I also, um, and here's my countertransference, and I, I let these ladies know this before, is that I really want to understand from hearing you guys, the two of you talk, um, what what has changed from women in, say, my day um, as far as being, you know, given opportunities and being tre- treated seriously and with respect in science, in your experience, and also, um, I, I am personally. This is this is something that bothers me. Is that I don't think women today uh, do enough to assert their their. I don't want to say independence, but you know. Uh, uh, assert themselves as people. I think that um, women today are caught up in the trap or society puts them in the trap, let's say, brainwashes them into the trap of appealing to men. And I call that, you know, sexual currency. And sexual currency is something that certainly, you know, young, beautiful women like Nosa certainly has. (laughs) And um, we, we women need to decide for ourselves how we want to use that and to decide for ourselves. And from my day, so much has happened, like fake everything, you know, fake, fake all sorts of fake body parts. And, you know, my day, we didn't even wear nail polish. And now everybody's got fake eyelashes and all this stuff. And um, I know, I know Judy and Nosa don't. But a lot of that, there is a lot of pressure on women, um, I think, to, to compete on looks and to, to, you know, pay attention to their looks beyond, beyond just, you know, we all want to look good. So I'm curious to hear about that. And, um, 
you know, and learn what 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 it's like, what it's like now, and what we can do, and uh, what we can learn to move forward and empower women until we finally fucking take over the world. Okay, because that's a really you know we are we are really we really should be in charge, and and let's let's how are we going to get there? Because we're getting there. So um, let me start with Judy. Judy, um, so you're around, obviously, working with young people and young women. And so what do you think has changed? What's better better and worse from today, from our day to now? Well, I'm, I'm really glad to see that women, young women, are coming into their own. Mm-hmm. And they're taking... They're taking charge of their life. We have a, a bunch of new students right now that I am just so impressed with because they know what they want. They're clear on what they want. And, uh, you know, it's, it's from over time. I mean, clearly things have changed for the better over time. Um, I think the, the main thing is self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I and did no, no says nodding. We have NOSA on, let me see if I can move this around. We have NOSA on Zoom, so um, we can't, but I, I'm, 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 art, I'm, uh, that, that's, that, I'm speaking for her. She's nodding. <laughs> so I think it's all about self-esteem. And I don't think women, particularly in my day, um, were, I was fortunate. I have, um, I had a mom who was a tiger. I mean, mm-hmm. she made me look like I was laying down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I still, you know, um, didn't have the self-esteem that comes over time. And, and I think, um, a lot of women now have that self-esteem. It's not taking them as long as, as it did me to develop it. Mm -hmm. But of course I got a lot more put downs and a lot more holding back. Mm -hmm. And as far as NOSA, I, and all my students, but particularly NOSA, I watched her come in with, I don't know, maybe, hopefully she'll agree with me, (laughs) with not as much self-esteem as she has now. Mm -hmm. And I watched her grow and Mm -hmm. blossom and take over her world, which Mm -hmm. she has to do. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to think I was a small part of that because not having children of my own, um, which was again a choice that I made because science was going to be my focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to leave a legacy, mm-hmm. and my legacy are my students. Mm-hmm. And Nosa is one of my best legacies. She yeah. is she is going to be an amazing scientist and professional in whatever mm-hmm. she does because mm-hmm. she knows who she is and what she wants. But mm-hmm. it took a while to get there. Mm-hmm. So Nosa, would you agree with that? Yeah, I want to echo that like 110%. I think self-esteem is key. And um, in this day and age now, you're seeing a lot of conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And a part of the inclusion piece is making sure that people are able to bring their authentic selves into spaces. And I think that in that aspect, there has been really a a lot of push for women to be able to bring their authentic selves bring your personality because it's not, I think in the past, it may have been looked at as a weakness, but it really is a strength because there's strength in diversity. Um, And I think that 
being able to have people around you to develop that self-esteem is really important. So while in some cases you're definitely seeing um, a lot of a more of a shift of women knowing what they want in the workforce, um, knowing what they want in science, being able to um, just be who they are in inside of this field, there's still a lot of, I guess, pushback in a way, because being a woman for a lot of women is just one part of their identity. And now when we bring in intersectionality, the different components of who we are, um, how are we able to fit that in the workplace? And I think in some sense, that is kind of the struggle that we're facing now. Um, And now how do we move forward so that I can bring my full authentic self, not only as a woman, as a woman of color, as, um, as a sister, as a friend, as everything that embodies who I am, how can I bring that to the workplace? And having a self, having self-esteem is so important. And we're mm-hmm. seeing things like out, we're seeing um, campaigns for women um, in media, uh, pushing women into STEM. And I think that's also part of developing our self-esteem and seeing the the faces of female scientists on TV, on social media, um, and knowing that, okay, if she can do it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. all part of the mm-hmm. So you're sort of saying, Nosa, I think that um, because there's such a, like a new, you know, surge to, about gender, like now we're very cautious about, you know, we're sensitive to how we identify gender and race and all those things that that's actually helping women as well, that women are getting more, um, re- you know, equality or respect or because everyone's getting more of that. Is that what you mean, sort of? I think that that is a, it, it's a benefit for women because um, traditionally women were, we are part of the minority. And so when we think about diversity, we think of minority groups, which women are a part of mm-hmm. and having and having these tough conversations about what diversity means, about what inclusion means, and how to bring that to the workplace is very beneficial because um, it does include women as well. Like, how can we increase mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. female presence in upper management, or how can we increase it in senior leadership? Um, and so, I definitely think that that has been beneficial for women um, in science. So, um, Nosa, I'm curious because Judy mentioned that when you first came to the lab and met, you know, whatever, uh, which is a big new experience for somebody from Canada or anywhere. I can't even imagine walking into a lab. But um, anyway, um, that you weren't as confident. Um, and do you, do you, what was your feeling when you first, like, what was it like for you? Well, what, I mean, it would be make sense that maybe you didn't have, you weren't as, didn't have the self-esteem you have now, but what would, what were your issues? What were you thinking about? What were you concerned so- well, thank you so much for asking that question because it really, it, it's really my journey into becoming um, a scientist and really just finding myself. When I first got to Judy's lab, I came from a background where in high school I was discouraged in um, applying to the programs that I did, which was life science. In undergrad, I felt as though um, there were uh, t- teacher assistants and there were professors who weren't as keen on helping me. And when I did ask questions, made me feel as though my questions were um, for a lot, were not, <laughs> I don't want to say they were not smart questions. Right. They weren't taking you seriously. I was not taken seriously at all. And mm-hmm. so I came a lot of my life. I felt like I had to prove myself 
And um, there were times where I did feel a lot of doubt. Um, in undergrad, I was thankful to meet my first PI and who became my mentor and who I still speak to today, um, Dr. Andrea Kirkwood. And that experience definitely gave me the push to continue in science. So when I got to Judy's lab, I had all of this almost like baggage of who people have perceived me to be um, versus mm-hmm. who I think I am. Um, and then having a mentor like Judy to mm-hmm. push me to show me, hey, you can do this. Hey, you're really good at this. And you're and mm-hmm. the work that you're doing is really important, has really helped me develop my own self-esteem and take ownership of the work that I do. And it's really just helped 360 how I see myself. Mm-hmm. So now when I walk into spaces, I even though sometimes I still may feel insecure, it's I I have that reassurance from the mm-hmm. people who have uphold mm-hmm. me, including mm-hmm. Judy, tell me that mm-hmm. I'm good enough. I mm-hmm. deserve to be so um, you've been very fortunate that you found another a woman to to help you, and um, you know you obviously have done the work to to earn that. But um, were so were were you being discouraged, like in high school and stuff, for because you were a woman? What did your parents? What were your parents? Were they supportive, or did you know other girls that were interested in what you were doing? what you were interested in? (laughs) Yes. So my parents were super supportive um, of what I wanted to do. I think they're like my number one cheerleaders, which is really awesome. However, I, there's no one in my family that is a scientist. So there was, I, there was a lot of encouragement, but I didn't necessarily have much Mm -hmm. guidance. And Mm -hmm. in school, particularly, I don't remember many of my Mm -hmm. friends also wanting to do what I wanted to do. But there were females getting into science. I wouldn't say it was necessarily a um, a female thing. It may have been like other aspects of my of who I am that was that had people look at me in a different light. And so in that sense, I felt like I was being ostracized. So growing up in um so in high school and in undergrad that's kind of where the feelings came from because there were quite a few women in my program as well Mm -hmm. um and that's when I talk about the whole intersectionality right because as a woman um there's discrimination that you face but there are other aspects of who you are that may um put you in, in more likely to be discriminated against because of what you identify as so Judy um what do you okay? So you guys are in a in um at your nose is in a safe place because she's got you running the show that she's in. Um, so you guys worked it out. Um, but what is it like for other? You know, like um, also Nosa um has a supportive family and 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 you know she she that's a big deal, right? So what is it like for, do you see other women that don't have that or what, what is it like for other women, other young women and what, you know, other, what is it like in general? And then Nosa, I want to hear it, what, whether you agree with Judy or not. <laughs> oh boy. We're going to, I'm going to ruin this relationship. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. No, that, that would be a hard one. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think, think I got a that. chance. I don't have a chance in hell, but, but I can work on it. No, I want to hear, I want to hear, go ahead. So uh, I think one of the, um, the thing that's one of the things that sticks in my mind, um, about change and mentoring, first of all, it's like, 
I have I could put a sign up that says the doctor is in um, because I I am very fortunate in that I attract or I generate a safe place as Nosa talked about and so I I see a lot of students my students other people's students and this has happened a lot um, so and they all go through there everybody's going through you know not one size fits all everybody's mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. different things mm-hmm. it's I had a student um, many, many years ago, and I remember um, she was a soft-spoken woman, mm-hmm. and um, I remember her saying, you know, it's not like it was when you were getting through. And, you know, because I, I told her, suggested to her that she might want to have a, a, try to be more assertive mm-hmm. in her approach mm-hmm. to people, not, not aggressive, mm-hmm. but more assertive in her approach. Mm-hmm. And she said, it's not like that anymore. We don't have to. Women don't have to she be like that. that anymore. Wow. Oh, yeah. I have a very open relationship with everyone. No, yeah. And um, she was defensive. She felt yes. criticized. Yes. And you probably weren't the first person that said that to her. Maybe not. Maybe can I, not. Can but, I ask but you? I just want to finish this yes, slide sorry, if I I'm may. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I, I love your enthusiasm too. <laughs> so, um, but she went on. And about six months to a year later, she called me. I stay in touch with almost all of my students. And she goes, boy, you were right. Oh. And this is not, you know, this is within this decade. And so, you know, we think that things have changed and they have changed for the better. But it's still there. And we have to be aware of mm-hmm. of this you know, maybe it's more subtle now, much more subtle now than mm-hmm. it was before because people could get away with bullying me or whatever. But um, but there's an, women have to learn new ways now and um, to get their points across because, unfortunately, the B word still arises. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're talking about one um, woman who... Who and did so? She 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 realized that she needed to step yep. up. Um, but do you see that around you? Do you see women like young women that you think like, oh, they're not asserting themselves enough, or they're not gonna, or do you see that around you? I, I, not in probably in your group, but yeah, everywhere, everywhere. So everywhere. what do you see? I go to different schools. I see that. I see women not asserting themselves enough, but I'll tell you the other side of the coin that I see. And maybe it's my generation um, intruding into my thoughts. But, um, you know, when I, when I was younger, I was a feminist, tying myself to trees, doing the hippie mm-hmm. thing, you know, really went the whole thing. Um, and I think I'm seeing a lot of this now. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of, there's not a lot of balance. Mm-hmm. So I see students who, you know, are, I don't know whether it's very strong self-esteem or whether they feel they're fighting a battle. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I see that a lot. And there's a fine line, and I'm not sure women see this, and maybe Nose is going to disagree, but there's a fine line between aggression and assertiveness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one wants, no one should be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Not a man, not a turtle, not a, <laughs> you know, not a female. We, sh- we should not be, have to use aggression. First of all, it, we're not listened to. 
mm-hmm. when it's aggression. Mm-hmm. Certainly not listen to when it's passion mm-hmm. and God forbid the tears come. Um, but you, you want to make your points in credible ways. Mm-hmm. And by, mm-hmm. You need to do that by being assertive. So right. I, I had a conversation, oh, you know, a while back, um, some a woman who felt she was being undermined. Mm-hmm. And her response was extremely aggressive. And I had this talk, and I guess it comes with worldliness or mm-hmm. knowledge over time. You know, and the point is that you're not going to be listened to. I'm sorry, I wish this was a perfect world, but y- you have to make logical points mm-hmm. and, and use assertiveness and knowledge. Come from information. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need to be the man of the world being the bully. Mm-hmm. They didn't mm-hmm. get, you know, they may have gotten far, but it's not a good life to live. Right, right. So she was sort of being defensive and overcompensating. Well, I mean, the thing that you're saying, and um, I want to hear Nosa's take on all this with her, with her peers that we're talking about. But I think that um, we're still women in the position of monitoring our behavior in terms of how to work with men. And that, that is sad. That's just that's just sad. No, but, it is. Uh, no, so what, what, tell us about your peers and what Judy just said and re, go ahead, react. <laughs> um, you still like so Judy I, though, right? <laughs> you two are um, great. You two are great. I, I agree with what, I, I agree with a lot of what Judy is saying. I think that in, you do see a lot of extremes, either women who are maybe a little bit more docile or more um, reserved versus the aggression. Um, I think it is a fine line definitely between assertion and aggression. However, sometimes for women um, and that line is not necessarily always um, clearly defined because I have seen people who are, I've seen specifically women who have been assertive, but were perceived as aggressive because they were women. Um, So I think that it's all about generating a safe space, allowing people to feel as though if I say something, I will be heard. Um, And even in like with my peers, I think it's really important to save space within your peer group as well, because I've, I worked with other students both inside and out of Judy's lab, and you can see the not only their personality, but how they perceive themselves and just uplifting, as simple as uplifting women saying, hey, like, don't say that about yourself or hey, like you can do this. Mm-hmm. You see a change in their behavior and how they perceive themselves, and then they're able to be more assertive. And then on the flip side, as Judy mentioned, having those hard conversations with women who may be on the aggressive side saying like, you're not going to be listened to and you're not going to be heard Um, being able to have that conversation and then show how you can be assertive without being aggressive. But I think the big part of it is creating that safe space for Mm -hmm. women. If I feel like I'm going to be heard, I will now say my point in a way that is not only succinct, but will but we'll get it across rather than feeling I'm not going to be heard. So I'm coming from an emotional place now. But do you still feel like, do you feel like um, that there are men that, I mean, you're still, are you, you're still aware of whether you're going to be taken seriously and there are situations where you feel like you're not going to be, is that what right, you're saying? Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, and, and in that instance, you can we really, 
Sorry? I was just going to say, you can't take for granted that you're going to be taken seriously. And you have to, that's like an extra burden that you have to manage. Is that right? Right. It's an extra burden. And you also have to read the room as well, which is another layer because you have to look, you not, you have to look at the space that you're in and think, and based on the conversations that are being had, am I going to be heard? And that is a very tough thing to really understand, especially if you've never been in those spaces before. And so I feel like for women, it's still an extra layer of burden that we face today where we feel like, am I going to be heard? Is there a preconceived notion about me mm-hmm. based on me being a woman, based on me being a person of color, based on my sexual orientation, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. But now how am I going to assert myself without being aggressive? And aggression, aggression sometimes is also used as a um, trigger word almost, as a word to kind of demean what people are saying. And mm-hmm. they, they could be mm-hmm. assertive, but they look mm-hmm. men and then other people are saying, oh, you're aggressive. Oh, you're aggressive because you're a woman saying this. But if it was a man, it may have been a completely different scenario. So there's a lot of um, mm-hmm. to unpack that. Right. And do you see, um, do you have like friends, do you and your friends talk about that? Like you and your female friends talk about like men aren't taking us seriously. Is that something that you're discussing? Is that a topic? So that's definitely a topic that um, depending on, and also depending on the type of field you're in, if it's a male dominated field, for example, I know in engineering is a little bit more male dominated than other spaces. There are, I do have friends who tell me and and who experience, I'm not taking it seriously because I look like this. I'm not taking it seriously because I am a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard for them to be assertive. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for them to put their foot down because then it's like, oh, blank is aggressive. Oh, it's standoffish. And, and so, I mean, it, it's still something that a lot of us face today. Mm-hmm. And Judy, what about your male peers? Are you listening out there? Do you have any male peers? I mean, (laughs) do you have any peers? No, I mean, there must be, like, your department, I'm trying to understand, your department is bigger, like, you have a big, you have a big part of a department, but the department as a whole, is it mostly, is it more? It's mostly men. It's male dominated. Male faculty. Uh, Mostly male faculty. Mm -hmm. We do have, um, I think, I don't want to leave anyone out, but. Uh, I would say safely to my thought right now, it's, it's mostly males. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, I don't really want to talk too much about the department um, just because just it's names. not a safe no, space. Of course no. <laughs> not. No, we don't want to do that. But we I don't do want to say I'm, I'm pretty grateful for our department in that um, everyone takes everyone seriously. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you look like, what you don't look mm-hmm. like, what you're wearing, what you're not wearing, you know, um, we're listened to. But I wanted to add something to Gnosis point too. And, you know, even being in the field for such a long time, um, I had to use a phrase that didn't come comfortably to me, but I, I kind of mimicked what my, I watch my husband, who's a neuroscientist, I, mm-hmm. I watch him having these discussions with other peers and he said something like, uh, may I finish? Or so mm-hmm. I adopted that to my for myself. Mm. And I know that people always try to talk over other people. Mm-hmm. That is so common in every meeting all over the world I've ever been to. You know, we all have something important to say. So let me not wait till you're done. Let me get it out now. Mm-hmm. And I learned the phrase and only started using it recently really? was, yes, you know, May I finish? 
can I make my point, please? Mm -hmm. Um, And people are taken aback. Yeah. And it's, you know, women haven't been in the leadership roles for as long as men have. That's true. So we have, uh, I don't want to say we have a lot to learn because I don't want to learn from men. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to learn for what's right for Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And I want us to be able to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. But having, being newbies in this leadership Mm -hmm. identity, you know, maybe since the 70s, since the 60s. I mean, back in the 30s and 40s, women were trying and the suffragettes and everything. And we all know how that ended. I mean, it ended well in some ways and very badly Mm -hmm. for those people in other ways. Mm -hmm. So we're finding our footing. Mm -hmm. And so I I think it's going to, it's all going to work out, but we're finding our footing now. Mm -hmm. And is it male dominated? Yes, it's male dominated. So if you, as Nosa said, if you go in and you, you read the room that you may not be listened to, and I'll, I'll tell you my sense, and I may be disagreed with by a lot of people that um, I worked with in the past, and I've been to meetings where the first person listened to is a male physician. The second person listened to is a female physician, mm-hmm. then a, a male PhD, and then here we are, female PhDs, and I have been in so many meetings where um, I said to myself, didn't I just say that? Exa- didn't I just um, make that same point? Mm-hmm. What am I, is something wrong? Uh, you know, are they not listening to me or did I not make it as our, of course, we bound, women put it back on ourselves. Was I not articulate in this? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they didn't understand. But that is something that I'm sure Nosa was just talking about mm-hmm. too, is Am I going to be listened to? And when they actually ignore your point of view, mm-hmm. you know you're not. So, no, so that's something you deal with as well. You're shaking your head. 100%. The, you say a point and then someone else reiterates that point. And then the second, the person who reiterates it, they're like, oh, my gosh, that was so great. Didn't I? Didn't I? I thought I said that. And you but mean it's, it's a also- guy. <laughs> sorry oh i'm saying a guy i'm sorry to interrupt you a guy a guy you mean a guy will repeat what you say and that's who they listen to yes most times yes and the thing about it is though i think in those scenarios for women and i'm speaking also for myself is learning to say that that's something that i said and as simple as that because mm-hmm. that's standing up for myself and mm-hmm. saying hey i said that and acknowledging that that was my idea um and yes even if they decide to give that person credit i feel more empowered by saying i said that mm-hmm. um and of course there's there's um there may be an understanding of oh you know wow why is she saying that wow that sounds so like aggressive and that that's okay because at the end of the day i think that what judy's saying is kind of is correct when it when she talks about how um how she got to the place that she's in i think for women even moving forward it's important to be assertive in in places where you feel like you deserve or you we're supposed to get something that you didn't get because mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't speak up, all that's going to happen mm-hmm. is history will repeat itself. But in speaking up and mm-hmm. saying, hey, I said that, then that really, it solidifies that that was your idea mm-hmm. and you were the one that should be given credit for it. Okay, I'm going to push back on this. And I'm going to okay. say, I'm going to have some empathy for girls that don't have uh, a support system or just don't innately have that kind of confidence. So do you see those girls 
Are they are they in they in the department? They are they around? Yeah. And do they yeah. pay for it? What happens to them? How do you help them? So, Nosa, if you don't mind, I'll go. I'll take this first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so that's where, you know, I learned only about 15 years ago that there's a big difference between an advisor and a mentor. An advisor gets you through your laboratory work and everything else. And a mentor, whether it's in science or it's in your field, Lisa, or it's in any field, we all need to be there for other women. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I tried to do that. So mm-hmm. they can come in and they can talk about whatever they want, whatever's bothering them, from grades to, to their personal life, to their difficulties with boyfriends or whatever. I don't ask, but if they want to talk to me, I'm there to listen. And I'm there to give, maybe not always sage advice, but certainly suggestions. Mm. Not advice, but suggestions of maybe different ways of handling it. Well, you're there, and that's a big deal, just that you're there and you're listening. Yeah, and I don't take phone calls during that time, and Mm -hmm. I don't have other people coming in. Women need to be heard. I I agree, but I'm going to push back on that again. I'm going to say that we need to get male allies. And what are we doing about that? Because um, we need need men, you know, women, it's not going to work if men don't start taking some responsibility too. So what, what can we do about that? Are we doing anything about that? What do we, what do we think about that? Well, like, like I said, and then um, uh, please ask NOSA, but I'm very fortunate in the department that I'm in now um, that there's a lot of support mm-hmm. by men. Well, you would never wind up in, no one, no one would be able to deal with you. No, like, idiot guy that couldn't deal with you isn't going to wind up in an apartment with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I've had them have some regrets. You've, you've, you've been there. I've you've been, been there. there. You, you've gone, th- you've had that experience. Yeah. Um, but no, so what about what about you? Do you do you do you have these conversations? What about the guys? What about how do the guys treat you? I think so. I'm fortunate enough to have quite a few uh, male friends, even in our department. Um, I one of my closest friends at the time was um, in grad school was a guy actually, so that was great. But I think ally- I think allyship comes with. Um, information and comes with acknowledgement. And I think having conversations, I know NYU is doing a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations. I think having those conversations are really important because in order for somebody to be an ally, they have to understand why they're they're an ally. And while that might sound like, it might sound like common sense to some people, it's not. Mm -hmm. And so- Do you you bring that up? You bring that up with the dudes? bringing it up with bringing it up with guys in my own personal life, but also having these conversations in professional spaces and making it not as if it's their fault that we're here today, but what can we do to make a more equitable future for women? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, like I said, NYU is doing a really great job in environment, the department of environmental medicine are creating those spaces for mm-hmm. conversation. 
because mm-hmm. we also have to remember for a lot of like a lot of men in this space, this was a male dominated um, space for a long time. Mm-hmm. And course. so what sounds like, oh, women should be included. They may not understand that and that's okay, but allowing them grace to be able to learn mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be able to be our allies. I like that. And even, yeah. Thank you. And even to what G said um, about students, I think mentorship is very important, but also it is important for other women to create communities within their peer groups. And mm-hmm. I think I've been fortunate enough to be friends with a lot of people in Judy's lab outside of the lab. And I mm-hmm. think that mm. spent between assertiveness and being shy, but having those conversations with each other, sharing mm-hmm. our experiences and just talking about how we can just be better and learning from each other is really important. And so community is something that all women should strive to create for other women, even if you're one and another one comes in. Yeah. Because sometimes we spoke, I think we spoke about this before, but having um, women who are in upper level management sometimes being very hurtful and rude to their subordinates. But honestly, imagine how that would be if the woman now took that other woman under their under her wing and mm-hmm. taught her, mm-hmm. and nurtured her. And I think that that's what we're missing a lot in these spaces mm-hmm. because there aren't that many women. So mm-hmm. it almost seems like competition, but it's not competition. We're all trying to make for a better future for the next generation. Well, I'm going to say that um, I think that I'm just going to say this. I think women, the STEM, you STEM women, I think are threatening to men because um, women you know, it, it's an intellectual pursuit and you can't, there's no gray areas. If you can do the science, you got the goods. It's not like you're a good writer or not a good writer or something like that. And I think a lot of men find that intimidating. And um, I know, um, so I want to hear what you guys think about that now. No, so what about your what how do guys treat you like at a party or something? Like how how do they Oh, you're a scientist. I don't want any smart girls. I don't I want a nice girl who's going to be, you know, take care of me and wash my clothes. Get out of here. I want to meet the other one. So what happens so there? I, I think it's I think in that aspect at least from my own experience, um men are not so much as standoffish but they're more uninterested so it's like either oh you're a scientist okay cool or oh you're a scientist i thought you were something else um something more artistic and so because the, <laughs> they don't understand how creative science is folks go right. ahead sorry how to say that go That's ahead sorry um, so it's very much it's very much surface level and from my experience um with men and and with dating specifically it the conversation kind of ended there there was not much interest in what I did how I did it why I did what I did what I did what I do um so I think in that aspect that's where I'm seeing the men of today um so yeah but do you think that there are men, a lot of men, or as many men as in Judy's day that don't find that are, let's say, intimidated or being smart isn't sexy? Is that still, do you think that's biology? That's what I'm wondering about. Is it biology? Are we going to be able to overcome that? So it it, it really, 
for me, I think I'm, like I said, I've never personally experienced that. However, the stage in which I'm in is still very much lower tier when you look at like management and when you look at a scientist, I'm a new grad, I'm just getting started in my career. And so for someone who's a little bit more mid-level career or reached upper level management, I would assume that it's a little bit different because now that person holds power. And because even in my position, I'm smart, but I don't hold much power. Uh There's a different different conversation that's had with men. So it's more so passed off now that it may be different if I now have some sort of power in my, um, in my position, but I've never experienced. So you're still, you're still appealing because you don't have a big job yet. Okay. Got it. I was a graduate student for a long time. I'm just kidding. That's horrible. That's not even funny. So can you believe we only have like eight minutes? Um, left, and I I want to end this. Uh, I want to um, hear. Can I, can I just add? Yes, something, please do. So I I think um, more so than feeling intimidated, I think there's a lot of defensiveness, mm-hmm. and uh, you know things are changing very rapidly, as mm-hmm. both of you pointed out in today's climate <laughs> climate change. Um, and, and I think that, you know, men are feeling it's new for them. It's very Mm. new for Mm -hmm. them, for us to be peers, totally equal, equitable, the whole thing. And so I think we have to, to your point about, you know, how do we, how do we work together equitably? Mm -hmm. I I think we have to understand that there are men who are going to be defensive Mm-hmm. When we're speaking up or taking our turn mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. our God-given right to speak. Um, but I think we have to understand and spend the time that it takes to to get them to understand that we're not we're not closing in on them. We're not what we're doing is we're speaking our mind and they need to listen just like we need to listen to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And hear where they're coming from although i don't understand it and i'll never understand it (laughs) what do you mean where they're coming from yes (laughs) well you know i'm gonna say that um i appreciate that and i totally agree in that i agree with you i agree with you that's very real and i'm also gonna say it's frustrating to acknowledge that we women have to you know, go way out of our way to make sure that we're not offending men. And that's real. And I'm glad to hear you say that, Judy, because that's the truth. But I'm also going to say that sucks for <laughs> us. Um, so, like I said, oh, God, we've only got like five minutes left. So I just want to um, learn from you guys at uh, in closing what it is that you think we should, we can do. Where, where, where are, where where are the vulnerable spots? What can we do? I mean, one of the things you just said, Judy, is to have a little empathy and um, help men cope with us. I mean, that's one of the things, right? That kind of thing. Identify it and don't take it personally. Is that what you're saying? Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's hard to do. Uh But that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are going to be different generations. I'm glad to say that in Gnosis generation that, you know, men have gone through this and they're, 
it appears that many more are more understanding. Many men are staying mm-hmm. home and taking care of the children or mm-hmm. doing the cooking, and it's not threatening their masculinity. Mm-hmm. But even in Gnosis generation, and I see it, there mm-hmm. are men who are prehistoric and have, <laughs> have very old ideas like the men that maybe I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's, um, I think we have to be aware that it's out there, but I think we have to be who we are. Mm-hmm. We have to definitely still be resilient and we have to be persistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one of the biggest things that helped get me to where I am is persistence mm-hmm. and I didn't go away and mm-hmm. I wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many people told me that I would never make it to college, then I would never make it to graduate school, mm. then I would never make it for a PhD, um, that I just kept saying, no, I will. And I think any any woman, any person who wants to do what they want to do, you have to remember what mm-hmm. the goalpost is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I was going to ask, do you think um, women are discouraged from being in, do women feel like, and I felt like this, growing up um that they're just they're just not smart enough to be in a stem field or is it just or is it more that um do you think that they're not really talented by nature women are less talented in those fields or is it more a self-esteem issue what do you think i totally do not think that in any way are we um are we less than anything Mm-hmm. And so, but what I can say, and it may still be true in, in Nosa's generation when she went to school, is that we are not encouraged. And I think Nosa said this before. We are not encouraged mm. to do math. In many classes, there aren't even women in the math advanced classes, in mm. engineering, in physics. These are not fields that women are encouraged. So, so how would, how should they be encouraged? They need male teachers, I mean, because males are in charge. Do you think men don't see women as capable and they don't encourage them? Is that what you're kind of saying? Or? I, I think, I, I think that there's a, a vision out there or a mindset out there that says, you know, women aren't as good as math. And as good in math or in as good in the sciences. I think it's going away, mm-hmm. but it's not gone yet. But you don't see that as truth. You see. Oh, no. No, you know, you, that's just, that's just bullshit. Cause yes. I buy it. I buy it. I mean, in my heart, I buy mm-hmm. it, which I'm not proud of, but that's true. Um, no, I, I, it's not true at all. And I'm trying to think of the name of the movie. Uh-huh. It had to do with space and NASA and uh-huh. who the real mathematicians were and they were women hidden figures hidden figures okay we're all going to watch that um no so we got about a minute so can you respond to that do you think yes i go ahead sorry i was gonna say i totally echo what judy's saying i think externally education is so important we may not see it it may take generations to see the benefits of education of having an equitable future but we're seeing now that this generation of men are now pushing towards having women in these spaces are being a lot more welcoming. And I truly believe having these conversations, it's going to continue to um, increase and we're going to see more um, inclusion. I think even internally, we want to make sure that there's mentorship happening for women, sponsorship for women, advocacy and community. And having all of these factors in place, I think 
moving forward, we're going to begin to see more and more women in science and feeling like they can do anything that they put their minds to. Terrific. We are going to have to stop there. I'm so enjoyed this conversation and it's so much to think about and process. I'm going to be doing that this afternoon in my own mind. But thank you so much for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn today.